Hi Church, it is so good to be able to gather with you, to worship, to fellowship, to learn from the Word of God together. And greetings to our city campus, our online campus, and also NCLC. And also to those who are traveling and watching us online, may the Lord bless you wherever you are. Now, leading up to Christmas, we embarked on a three-message Advent series. And today is the last one, which means next week is Christmas. Yay! <laughs> and I'm looking forward to meet friends, your friends and your family who will be visiting us for the first time. In this Advent series, in the first message, we see Christ as our Savior. Last weekend, we see Christ as our King, and today we're going to see Christ, learn what it means for Christ to be our Emmanuel. I'm going to read for you from Matthew chapter 1, verse 22-23. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, and that's prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Being conceived by the Holy Spirit tells us that Christ did not come from the human race. So he is fully God. Being born of a virgin tells us that he came to the human race fully man. Now the name Emmanuel therefore tells us that in Christ, God in his fullness has come to be with us. When we think about heaven, it is not hard to picture it as a place that is filled with the fullness of God because it is a place without sin, without death, without tears, without sickness. Some people say that heaven is a place where doctors and nurses can finally take a break because there's no more job for them. But on this side of heaven, when we have to grapple with devastation, pandemic, brokenness, illnesses, hardships, loneliness. What does it mean for God, the fullness of God, to be in my life here on earth? And that's what we're going to explore this, uh, today. And I pray that this message will help us to know God more, to draw us closer to Him, love and trust Him deeper. Let's pray together. God, we just want to thank you that you are with us here this morning. You are already here. I just pray for every single person gathered in this place, in the different campuses, and even watching us online. God, that there will be such a sense that you are right there. And I just pray for every one of us. When we leave this place, we will have a sense that God has spoken to me, and I have experienced God in a powerful and also personal way. In Jesus' name we pray, may all of God's people say, I do see a lot of young children in our midst. So for those of you who are very young, like really like young kids, like below the age of 12, and I just want to tell you that this service is uh, as much 
for you as well. And I pray that God will encounter you in a very special way. So if you don't understand anything, uh, I'm here, just ask your parents, all right? <laughs> when we think about God with us, it is important for us to know that it is God who took the initiative and did what it needs to be done so that God with us can happen. And my first point is, God came to be with us. John chapter one, verse 14 tells us this. The Word, fully God, became flesh and blood, fully man, and moved into the neighborhood, which means into the world that we live in. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Christianity is a story of God's search for men and not man's search for God. It was God who went to the garden to search for Adam and Eve after they sinned. It was Christ who came into this world to reveal to us who God really is and draw us back to Him. Max Lucado wrote this, Christ entered our world, as a result, we can enter His. We all experience that it was God who came to us and reached us in different ways. For me, it happened when I was a young Christian after I watched a movie called The Missions. It was about a priest sent to a jungle in Paraguay to preach the gospel to a tribal community. In one of the scenes, the priest read a Bible passage about love, which was from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it moved my heart uh, very deeply. But I was a young believer who knew very little about the Bible. I actually thought that the book of Philippians was written either for or from Philippines. And I didn't obviously know what he read was from 1 Corinthians 13. And when I went home, I <laughs> took up this Bible, I said to myself, how and where am I going to find that passage in such a thick book? I was so young in faith, I also did not hear the teaching about how you must not open the Bible and believe the first thing you read. But I did open the Bible, uh, not in an attempt to find the passage, but just to read it, and the first page I opened to landed me on 1 Corinthians 13. It was a moment I realized that it wasn't me who knew how to find God's love. It was God's love that came to me and found me. But I also know that the Bible does, does tell us to seek God with all our hearts and He will be found. But first of all, we must know that we don't have a God who is distanced, detached, or who makes Himself very difficult for us to find. But He came to be with us and He wants us to be with Him. So with that understanding, we look at what it means that when we seek Him, we'll find Him. Have you experienced that when you are seeking to buy a certain car model, the car model suddenly appears everywhere? Now, the car model's population did not exponentially increase overnight. It is just that your eyes are open to see them everywhere. When you are seeking, your eyes will be opened. Now, for those of you who are dating, or your ex-boyfriend or your ex-girlfriend is now your spouse, do you remember the first time you fell in love? As you seek to know the person more, you realize that she's smart, she's kind, she's caring, 
And if you're a student, you say, God, I'm willing to give up my studies just for her. Actually, your studies are not very good one. <laughs> are you willing to pay the price? But you know what? Actually, she's always been smart, always been kind, always been caring. It's just that as you are seeking, you get to know, you get to understand her more. I think you get the point. When we seek God, when you seek God, your eyes are opened to His presence already around you. And you get to understand the kind of God He already is, is to you. I think the very fact that God says you will find Him when you seek Him is the evidence that He is already with you. And my second point is God is with us even when we lose sight of Him. Matthew chapter 14 records the story of Peter walking on water. And I read for you from verse 28. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sing, cry out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Uh, now, if Ethan, Ethan is our stage tag today, if Ethan tells me to walk off the stage, walk on air, and go to him, guess what I'll do? Nothing because he's not God, <laughs> right? But for Peter, he was God, the son of God who spoke and told him to come. So courageously he obeyed and he walked on water. But at some point, Peter saw the violent wind and lost sight of Jesus. I see this very true in our faith journey. Now, if it was just the voice of man, and we make a mistake. We could just say, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have listened to him or her. But when it is God who has spoken to us, sometimes we just feel that we should not lose sight of God or what he has uh, told us. But the truth is, the reality is difficulties, challenges do come and they do cause us to lose sight of God. Now what we read next is Peter crying out, Lord, save me. I sometimes imagine how would Peter have felt if Jesus called out on the top, at the top of his voice and said, Peter, where are you? I can't see you. I mean, imagine if you were Peter, maybe you would have sank even faster, you know, because you just feel, oh, that's it. My life is going to end. Uh, now, if Jesus had said that, that would have been disastrous, right? It's unimaginable. But the Bible tells us that immediately, Jesus got hold of Peter. I actually find the word immediately very intriguing because I always had the picture that Jesus was still a distance away. Now, and if Peter was so near to Jesus, that means he had reached Jesus or even 
like if Jesus was that near, Peter would have just, could have just grabbed hold of him, right? Yeah. So how did Jesus instantly got hold of Peter? I don't have an answer. But I do know that when Peter cried out to Jesus, Jesus was immediately present. There are two points I learned from this story. Number one is that we may lose sight of God, but God will never lose sight of us. And number two, God is nearer than we can imagine. In fact, the name Emmanuel means that God is immediately present. Uh, one of my senior pastors was a great evangelist and storyteller. One particular story stuck with me until today. He told us of a tribe where the rite of passage into adulthood was to sleep alone in the tent in the middle of the jungle through the night. And the time came for the son of the village chief to do just that. I think that would make a great year child great night. I was a scout, and we had to do something very similar called solo night. And I had two of those. Uh, one was in a forested area, and I was told that if I hear anything around me or feel anything on me, what I need to do is to stay still until it goes away. I mean, who can do that, right? Uh, but you know what happened? I was so tired. I slept through the night. I didn't know anything. I woke up in the morning. Hey, solo night, piece of cake, no dramas. I did it, man. And then the second one was in a school compound. Now, school compound is going to be easy. I did that, slept through the night. When I woke up in the morning, I saw a snail beside me. And when I saw it, I jumped out. I ran out of my tent screaming. And after that, I've never liked camping anymore. I mean, why would you want to go camping? It's so unpredictable. You're, you put your life in danger. Don't go camping. <laughs> so when my pastor was telling the story of a solo night, it really intrigued me. He said that the boy was hearing all kinds of sound around him through the night, and he couldn't sleep. And then finally, when dawn came, he walked out of his tent and saw his father standing at a distance. So he ran to his father and asked, have you just come to bring me home? And the father said, no, I've been standing here all night watching you. Psalm 1 to 1 says that the Lord who watches over you will not slumber. He who watches over you will neither slumber nor sleep. My third point. God is with us even when life doesn't make sense. So this is not about losing sight of God. It is about knowing God is here, but the question is, if God is here, why is this happening? That for me is the toughest question in life, a question that never goes away. Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes are the three books of uh, what we call the book of wisdom in the Bible. They make up the book of wisdom. Now, Proverbs makes life very, very straightforward, almost like mathematics. If you do this, 
you'll get this. If you do that, you'll get that, and you'll not get this. Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. But when it comes to Ecclesiastes and Job, life is not so straightforward anymore. In Ecclesiastes, we see that good things happen to bad people, and in Job, we see that bad things happen to good people. Many years ago, I attended a CG meeting, and I saw a young boy who was about seven years of age who had cerebral palsy. When the meeting ended, and as we said goodbye to one another, I saw him walking on his own with all the constraints of the condition. And then I saw the parents watching him, paying full attention to his every step. It was, a, it was the first time I saw a young child who had the condition, and it was very confronting to me trying to imagine what every day looks like for the boy. I don't have an answer to why the child has that condition. But what I did feel was the strength of the parents' love for, that, for their child. How present they have been with him as he takes every step. Now, I don't know if the child at his age would be asking questions. And if so, what kind of questions? I also wonder if he could ever fully understand how much the parents loved him. Or when he will be aware of them. But whatever the question may be, no matter whether he understood his parents' love or not, who the parents are to him and what they would do to him will never change. I think you get the point. We live with circumstances we cannot control. We have questions that no answer can truly or fully satisfy. But we also recognize that we are finite and we cannot fully understand our infinite God. The amazing thing is that even when we don't fully understand, God never ceases to be with us. That's why we call him Emmanuel. Romans 8 verse 28 says that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Not only is God with us, he is also working out all things for our good. And all things include times when life doesn't make sense. And only an infinite God who is always present with us can do that. When you are facing your toughest questions, Emmanuel is your most robust answer. My fourth point is God is with us in our battles. Let me read for you a from Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 3. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Shur Jashub, your son, and say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted. For these two stops of smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Romalia, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Romalia have plotted evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves and set a king over them, the son of Tabal. Thus says the Lord God, 
it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. And then in verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This story is the context where Isaiah's prophecy was quoted in Matthew chapter one. Syria and northern Israel joined forces to attempt to conquer Judah and depose King Ahaz. King Ahaz knew that he was no match, and so naturally he was afraid. But Isaiah told him not to be afraid and gave him a sign, which is the prophecy that God is Emmanuel. God is with him. I've shared a few times about how poor a student I was academically, not for the lack of effort. I'm hardworking, but I just don't do well. So naturally, exams is one of my life's biggest battles. How many of you can identify with me? The battle gets even worse for me when it is a subject I feel that no matter how hard I study, I will not do well because I just don't have the smart for it. One time, I was going to an evening prayer meeting. I had the kind of subject for exam the next day. So I was studying on the bus. I was even reading when I was walking, trying to memorize as much as I could. And then when I arrived in the church, I tried to find a seat somewhere right behind. And then when I got settled down, I took out my notes and I started reading again. Tomorrow was a day I dread. Then the worship leader asked all of us to stand. I put down my notes on my chair and the first song, I'm not bringing this up, the first song we sang was, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. <laughs> because He Lives, all fear is gone. And you know the hymn, because I know, I know, He holds the future and life is worth a living. Just because He lives. Someone said, I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future. Emmanuel is meaningless if God is not alive. And Christianity is the only faith that proclaims an empty tomb. God is not dead, he is? Okay, we do it, we, we, we try this one more time. God is not dead, he is? Okay, take, do it one last time, this is really good. God is not dead, he is? And he is with you, amen? And he is with you in every battle. He was with me in my battle with my examination. And guess what? I passed. La. <laughs> I got a, I think I got a C or a D. I didn't like, I wish I could tell you I got an A, you know? But I didn't, you know? Uh, I don't know, I, got, I, I think I got a D. Doesn't mean distinction, it means A, B, C, D. You know? <laughs> the fourth one. All right, can I have the musos to come to the stage? The last point I want to share with you is, God is with us so that others may know him. I read for you from Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. A Christian went on a short-term mission trip to a poverty-stricken country. As he sees the hunger, the afflictions, and the need, he said to God, God, where are you? And God replied to him, where you are. Emmanuel, God with us, is not just for us, but also for the world around us. And as individuals and as a church, we carry the presence of God wherever we go, wherever we are. In the 80s, Bill Gates gave Microsoft a vision, a computer on every desk and in every home. In our era, we have seen a world that felt little need for computers to a world that cannot function without computers. Coca-Cola had many slogans, and two of them are related to sales. In 1917, three million a day. And only eight years later, in 1925, six million a day. Today, Coke sells 1.9 billion in more than 200 countries each day. In some places, Coca-Cola is more famous than Christ. Just a few years ago, when I was in Cambodia, a leader told me that in some villages, people know Coke, but have never heard of Christ. God also has a vision. And it is that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world. And that is in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. His desire is that none should perish, but all should come to repentance in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. And that is Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. United Nations projected that by November 15 this year, that means just like a month ago, the world's population would be 8 billion people. How are we going to reach our world? I think one family at a time, one office at a time, one school at a time, one person at a time. The biblical vision of evangelism and discipleship is going to happen through us when we experience Christ for ourselves and then simply and naturally share Christ with those around us through what we say and do. As we gather for Christmas, a lot of families will come together. I'm, we are all very mindful of people who are struggling during this time. People who may not have a family for whatever reason to gather together with. And God's heart is for them and our prayer is that the Father, the Father's love of God will be experienced by them in a very personal way. And that they will experience a God who loves them, who watches over them. And when my youngest daughter was about four days old, uh, we experienced something 
very challenging. She was diagnosed with a high level of jaundice. So high that she needed to go for a blood transfusion. So at four years old, we found, we found it very difficult uh, to see her lying on the court. And it happened in Singapore, so she was uh, in the court, in the room, and we weren't supposed to go into that room. So we had to be kept a distance away. And the doctor came to us and told us that, uh, you know, if uh, this thing doesn't go away, she will become, and she, she, he gave us all, 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 all the stuff. And I was just thinking, that's not very helpful. <laughs> but, I, but I, I, you know, we, we reckon that a doctor has got to do what a doctor needs to do, just tell us everything we needed to know. And then came evening, and she was wheeled into a ward, still lying on the court. And uh, she only had this eye mask on her, all right, because there, there's this phototherapy thing uh, all around her, 360 degrees. So the eye mask was on her eyes to protect her. So as a dad, I told myself, I'm going to keep my eyes open. Looked at her and make sure that if the eye mask falls for whatever reason, I can immediately put the eye mask back on. So I was just looking at her in the court. And then the next moment, I woke up. <laughs> I realized I fell asleep. And then I saw the eye mask came down a bit and then I, I, I just, you know, uh, shifted it. And at that moment, I realized one thing, that I cannot be always present for my daughter. No matter how much I love my children, only God can. In this world, there's only one person who has the name Emmanuel, and he is God. Only God can tell you, I will always be with you. But this presence of God is not just something that we enjoy, in a sense, ourselves, but it's also something we want the world around us to experience. And today, we have seen Christ as our Emmanuel. We have learned that it is God who came to us. We learned that He's with you even when you lose sight of Him. We learned that He is with you when life doesn't make sense. And He's with you in your battles, in your toughest battles. And He's with you wherever you are, in your school, in your workplace, and in your home. And so as we experience Christ, our Emmanuel, may the people around us our friends, our colleagues, and our family members also come to know Christ, the Emmanuel, for themselves. As I land, I want to just pray for people who may not know God, who may not know Jesus, or who have gone far away from Him. So can, can I just ask all of us to just bow our heads, close our eyes for a few moments. Today, if you do not know God, or you, you feel that you are far away from God, or maybe God is far away from you. But as you hear the Word of God today, you just 
know that God is speaking to you and you feel this desire in your heart to just open yourself, open your heart to Him and invite Him into your life. I just want to spend the next few moments just to pray with you. On the count of three, all you have to do is to just raise your hand where you are seated. Raise your hand to God. And when I see the hand, I'm going to just know who I'm praying with. So one, two, three. If that's you, just raise your hand. I see the hand. Anyone else? In the city campus, uh, even when you are even you are watching online, you can respond to God. For those of you who have raised your hand, just repeat this simple prayer after me. And church, I just want you to also pray this prayer together to support them. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are real. I thank you that you are here today. And I open my heart to you. I receive you into my life as Saviour and Lord. And I trust my life into your hands that you will lead me on and you will always be present with me. In Jesus' name, I thank you. May all of God's people say, Amen.